Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy. Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk. My name is Jake Wright, and joining me today is Linda Giesecke, who will be talking about the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on oil demand. Linda, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Jake. Thanks for having me. So, Linda, tell us, how is the coronavirus impacting oil demand? The impact is really unprecedented, and that's both in terms of its reach and its speed. First, when it comes to its reach, um, the initial outbreak of the virus started at the end of 2019, and the impact on demand began in February in China and was a precursor of what was to come a month later globally. The outbreak had moved to Italy and Iran by mid-February and then quickly spread across the rest of Europe and the U.S., It has now entered the developing countries with India and South Africa in lockdown. So the scale is really global, affecting oil demand in virtually every major country. Now, second to its speed, we saw a quick decline in demand in China in February. Within a month, demand fell about 4 million barrels per day, or by a quarter. This has been repeated in other major countries with a swiftness that is, again, unprecedented. In virtually a month, starting about mid-March with the first set of lockdowns occurring in Europe and across the U.S., global oil demand has fallen to 74 million barrels per day this month. It typically runs near 100 million barrels per day. So while we believe the worst impact is this month, oil demand won't recover with the same speed as it has declined. So what was lost in one month will probably take four to six months to slowly recover. But even then, we don't expect it to recover fully. So by year end, we're down a couple of million barrels per day over last December. And if you average it across the year, we're talking about a 9 million barrel per day decline. So just as a frame of context, during the Great Recession, we lost less than 2 million barrels per day across two years. Wow, that really puts things into perspective. So what can you say about the individual petroleum products themselves? Well, the impact is disproportionately concentrated on transport fuels. So let's put this in perspective. Global oil demand is, or at least it was, about 100 million barrels per day. And two-thirds of that is for transport. Uh, In April, we expect the sector to have lost roughly 24 million barrels per day compared to where it would have been. The other products, which include pet and feedstocks and fuels used in the residential sector, they are losing about 2 million barrels per day. Now, this is not surprising as the measures taken to contain this pandemic include travel bans and lockdowns, which severely limit air travel and personal mobility. That's a good point. Now, you spoke about air travel, and that means jet fuel. Is that where we're seeing the biggest impact? Well, yes, at least in percentage terms. The flight cancellations are leading to a collapse in jet fuel demand, but it's not a 100% drop. Some flights are continuing, even with only a few people on board. And then there are repatriation flights that are also bringing people home from tourist destinations. We've also heard of ghost flights last month, where airlines flew routes to maintain slots at airports. And we're witnessing a repurposing of some airlines to move cargo, as these typically were carried in the underbelly of these passenger flights. So Yao Wu, who is our Asia analyst, has made us aware of this trend in China in her recent Asia Watch publication. But none of these offset the loss of passenger travel. So we expect global jet fuel demand to be down about 70% in April, with Europe the hardest hit. 
Now, the OAG, which is the official aviation guide, is reporting flight cancellations of 92% in France, in Germany, the UK, and Italy in mid-April compared to last year. So as for JET's recovery, we believe it will be painfully slow. Flights will resume once lockdowns and travel bans have eased, but there are unanswered questions. For example, how do you social distance on a plane? Do you fill every other seat? Is it even possible to social distance? And what measures need to be in place to give travelers confidence to return to the skies while we wait for the remedy for this virus? And then there's the financial hit that airlines have taken with some facing bankruptcy. So in all, the industry won't bounce back quickly. So even in 2021, we don't expect jet fuel demand to be back to where it was in 2019. And what about other transport fuels? Now, well, the biggest impact in volume turns is actually in gasoline. So social distancing and lockdown measures that allow only essential business have curtailed most commutes to work, most trips to the store, and trips for leisure. Now, this impact varies depending on the severity of the measures or the severity of the outbreak within the geographic area. So let's take Europe, for example. We see from real-time Apple data that driving mobility is down 80% in Italy, but only 45% in Germany and 10% in Sweden during this month. And the same can be seen across the US. All states have been impacted, but work-related mobility is down 60% in New York and New Jersey versus 40% in Tennessee and South Carolina. On that note, the US is actually a key country to watch as it accounts for a third of global gasoline demand. Now, the latest weekly stats from the government show gasoline demand at about 5 million barrels per day compared to 9 million barrels per day normally. So what does all this mean globally? We're estimating a 40% drop in April compared to normal times. While this percentage drop is less than jet fuels, the volume is much bigger. So gasoline alone accounts for 10 million barrels per day of the loss in global demand in April. As for gasoline's return, it'll be steadier than jet fuel as people can easily jump back into their cars. We could also see more travel by car as people avoid planes or even public transportation. On the flip side, we're watching the economy as fewer jobs mean fewer commutes. We may also not see a full return to the office if companies decide to stagger employers between working in the office and working from home to maintain the social distancing. We also don't expect the usual summer surge in U.S. discretionary driving, which usually adds about half a million barrels per day between now and August, as people decide to stay closer to home. By December, we have global gasoline demand still down 1.5 million barrels per day, compared to where we would have been pre-pandemic. So, Linda, you haven't mentioned diesel. Is it immune? Well, no, nothing is immune, but it is affected less. So there are two points to make here. First, um, road diesel is mostly linked to trucking and thus to freight. This is not affected directly by the lockdown measures. And you still see trucks moving supplies to supermarkets or delivering online purchases. Now we've looked at data from a company called Inrix. It's a traffic data firm, and it is reporting that personal travel is down 46%, but long haul trucking is down only 13% in the US during this month. But diesel always takes a hit when the economy weakens. So we may not be seeing the same swift and steep reduction in diesel demand, but the impact could linger. Now, the second point I want to make is that the more general term diesel covers more than just road diesel. It's hard to remember January at this point, but the IMO regulation on sulfur levels in marine fuels went into effect then 
and has led to a certain amount of fuel oil shifting to marine gas oil, which is basically diesel. This may be lending some support to this wider diesel demand. That's interesting. So what's next? Well, as we've said earlier, the recovery will be much slower than the steep decline we've experienced. Now, we looked at China as an example, and here we expect total demand to have recovered by about 40% since February. So on the one hand, China may not be fully representative, as it can't recover if the rest of the world is in lockdown. But on the other hand, the slow easing of their lockdown measures, as well as the fitful recovery of air travel, is representative. But let me end with a reminder that this situation is fluid. And what we haven't talked about is the evolution of the pandemic itself and what measures could be taken if a second wave of the virus were to occur. That's a really good point. Well, thank you, Linda. We appreciate you joining us to share your insight on the matter. You're welcome. Thanks, Jake. Thank you for joining us on Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy.